Welcome to Ladies Talking Leaves. I'm Chris. And I'm Syl. And we're back after a couple big wins for the Leafs uh, versus the Flames and then the Canucks. And uh, now the team is heading off to Stockholm, Sweden for the NHL Global Series for games versus the Detroit Red Wings on the on Friday, November 17th, and then versus the Minnesota Wild on Sunday, November 19th. Yes. And as you know, Ladies Talking Leafs will be in Stockholm following the Leafs and we have been given NHL media access for the global series. So this means we will have media access to the games, team practices and the NHL global fan tour. So we also want to let you know that we will be live streaming a special episode of the podcast on Sunday, November 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern Toronto time and 12 p.m. for our listeners out west. Yeah, so be sure uh, to not miss our live stream from Stockholm, and you won't miss it as long as you subscribe to our uh, our YouTube channel at LTL nineteen seventeen. So remember to to hit that subscribe button, and uh, yeah, and there's tons of stuff on our on our YouTube channel that you can see there too. If you have any questions about the global series, you can share them in the comments of our social media posts, or or just uh, or DM us. Um, we'll be posting a lot about the Global Series, obviously, uh, our experience across all our social media channels, um, YouTube, uh, X, which is formerly Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. And again, our handle for all of our social media um, platforms is at LTL1917. So be, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, and we'll keep you up to date on everything Leafs. Yeah, so it will be our first real live stream. So hopefully not too many technical difficulties, but we are excited to bring you all of the kind of behind the scenes uh, information um, that we gather uh, during our time there. So before we get to the show, we're excited to announce a new partnership with Bet Online as well. You can find the latest NHL game day bets as well as props and futures. And currently Bet Online has the Leafs at plus 275 behind Boston to win the Atlantic division. Yeah, so the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NHL, NFL, college football and UFC are all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends and predictions. All the pucks and hoops, betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. So please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know needs support or advice, reach out to Connex Ontario or an organization near you. Place your limits and stay within it. And now it's time to get on to the show. So our regular segments, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and The Ladies Talking Leaves Highlight Reel, will be back when we return from Sweden. Although there are some pretty amazing highlights that we've seen over the last couple of games. Um, We are starting off this show with a Leaf Talk, uh, though, about the games from this past week. So we'll get into a little bit of those details and highlights that we noticed. And for our third period segment, we are very excited to have sports journalist and NHL Network, NHL on TNT and WWE Monday Monday Night Raw host Jackie Redman on with us to talk about the Leafs. So without any further ado, let's talk Leafs. Okay, so yeah, we're going to do a bit of a review of a quick review of the games from this past week, starting with the, um, I guess the game versus the Lightning. Uh, seems like a long time ago, but um, it was a comeback win actually. That one um, being down four to one, and we managed to pull it out uh, six five in in overtime. But um, Matthews and Marner, of course, leading the way on that one, um, and Kelly Youngcroke actually has picked it up a little bit actually the last this past week when it comes to his production his offensive production got a couple of goals including the OT winner so so that was a good start to the week right but um but then it went down again it's like this up and down cycle that they have there going versus the senators obviously um and what Sheldon Keefe said about that game I guess it really <laughs> it really showed what what our defense has been this season. He, he, he just said like about the Leafs goals against this season, it's out of control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that game for sure was out of control because they seem to have 
you know, everything was was going all okay. And then all of a sudden, it just fell apart and everybody was scrambling. And then before you knew it, where there's three goals scored, like one after the other. So um, yeah, it was very messy. That was definitely the game that Klingberg stood out as having real problems defensively. And then of course it came out that, uh, you know, maybe he has a little bit of an injury. Don't know for sure if that is the case. Uh, but the only thing, really good thing that came out of that game was that Nylander uh, managed to extend his point streak. And so he's now at 15 games. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was good. The other thing from that lightning game that I thought was just a joke as well was just John Cooper's comments after the game saying, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> He is just a classic when it comes to his quotes. They're just saying that. Uh, no, he it, never wants to give credit exactly, to the other yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the same that way. And and again, he was like that after that game saying, we just stopped playing, mm-hmm. basically. So, yeah, you want to, you, he's the kind of guy that when he talks like that, you just want to punch him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then, okay, so then it, it did get better the last couple of games, the mm-hmm. home and home for the um, the Hockey Hall of Fame game, I guess, on Friday night versus the Flames. Uh, 5-4 shootout win. Um, and that one, like Syl was just saying, Klingberg, uh, Klingberg was scratched for that, for that game because of his awful play. Not just in that game versus the Senators, but even even before that. But there were a couple of glaring <laughs> issues there in that game versus the Sens. But um, yeah, I mean that in that game, like we were up four one. Seems like four one is the uh, <laughs> the score that is haunting us all the time. But we we're mm-hmm. up four one early in the second period, and then the Flames came back to tie it up. Uh, obviously, but. Um, but we got the extra point with Max Domi scoring the uh, the shootout winner, so that was that was good. It was uh, it was a fun game. Looked like the crowd was, sounded like the crowd was really into it too. So, yeah, yeah actually, I I like that for Domi as well. Um, it was a beautiful beautiful shootout goal, by the way, and um, I I think that he is starting to get more and more confident um, now that he's playing center. To me, it looks like that's where he should have been all along. Like, doesn't that, isn't that how it feels like? Yeah. It just seems like he is now comfortable. He's able to play to his strengths there. Uh, some of the passes, like, that's probably got to be his number one skill set as, as a playmaker. And, uh, it's really showing. And the fact that Yarn Croc has been moved down to play with him, I think that is getting the most out of Yarn Croc's, uh, offensive skill set as well. Um, if he's playing on the top line with Marner and Austin Matthews, basically his job is to make sure that they're able to get the puck and they're able to make the plays. And you're not able to reap the benefit of his awesome shot that he has and him playing with Domi right now. There's definitely chemistry there. And man, Nick Robertson is a bulldog on that line as well. So um yeah. really happy for him. And I really think that he's going to stick now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it seems like they've, uh, Sheldon Keefe has may have found some chemistry there with a, with a third line. Um, and that, uh, that game though, too, was, um, Ryan Reeves obviously didn't, uh, didn't have the greatest of games versus the, mm-hmm. versus the Flames. And he ended up being sat out for last night's game versus the Canucks, which, uh, that to me was, and I think for, all fans like that was the most complete game that the Leafs have played this season, I think through 15 games and um, Klingberg miraculously is recovered <laughs> and uh, back from his injury, whatever that was, Ryan Reese was out and, um, and Bobby McMahon was called up. So that, um, yeah, the game had a little bit of everything with some fisticuffs, a couple of fights, uh, the bottom six contributed big time in the game and uh and of course Willie like we said uh extended his point streak now up to 15 games so he's taking it on the road with us to Sweden so mm-hmm. um yeah i just i i really liked that game last night versus the Canucks and it was great to see that fourth line David Kampf and uh Noah Gregor and Bobby McMahon just the speed that they had together and and i mean it's only the one game obviously since Bobby McMahon came up but um it's just Finally, it it seems to be coming together, anyways, with the bottom six, and we'll see what happens now on the road to on the road well, to Sweden. 
these last two games is obviously the most production we've had from the bottom six at all. Um, uh, last night's game versus Vancouver. I also thought that's the best camps looked all season so far. Um, you're not having to worry probably about uh, the defense and, and carrying the whole load for that fourth line, I think has made a difference. He had a spring in his step and of course he, he scored the goal. So um, he looked so much better as well. Um, yeah, I just and we had there was a lot of penalties in that game too, right? We were totally on a lot, yeah, too, which were ridiculous. But they managed to. I mean, the first couple, obviously, they. I mean, there was the bench minor too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, there's uh, still. I don't know. I still don't know, like why they are doing so bad on the on the line changes, and it's <laughs> actually having a pretty significant impact on on the season so far. So. They've definitely got to get that together because that's just boneheaded stupidity. Um, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. in last night's game when it was like uh, there was, it was a power play for Vancouver and they, they yeah. like, how do you do that? That is just completely not, does not make any sense. And they should get in a lot of crap for that. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Anyway, overall, it was a pretty good week for the Leafs. Uh, started out not so well. I don't know. It's a little bit of a roller, sco- roller yeah. coaster like it normally is. But anyways, overall, pretty good week. And for our third period segment to talk about it and overall what's going on in the league, we are so excited to welcome NHL reporter and sports journalist Jackie Redman to the show. Okay, so for our third period segment, uh, we want to welcome to the show renowned sports journalist Jackie Redmond. Yes, Jackie grew up in London, Ontario, and of course is a huge Leaf fan. Mm-hmm. And and many of our listeners will know Jackie from her time on Sportsnet covering the NHL. Uh, today, Jackie covers the NHL on NHL Network, NHL on TNT, and she's also a backstage interviewer for another hard-hitting sport, WWE Monday Night Raw. So welcome to the show, Jackie. Ladies, I am so yes. excited to be here and talk to a couple of fellow Leaf fans uh, that also happen to be women. And uh, apparently I like sports where they hit each other. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I was looking at the at the WWE stuff that you're doing. Yeah, it's quite, uh, quite interesting. I'm not into the into the wrestling, but uh, it's. It's very different. It is. Yes, it is absolutely a totally different world. I'm getting asked a lot about it right now because it's obviously something a bit newer for me. And I just tell everyone I've never felt more like I'm in showbiz, baby. Like I've never, I've never felt so close to show business in my life, but um, yeah, it's super fun and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome that you can branch out and do all these things. So um, anyways, let's get into our questions for you. So Chris, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually wanted to ask you about, um, before we get into the Leafs, about the Heritage (laughs) Classic. You were, uh, you were at the Heritage Classic at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton, and you looked really cold. I'm just wondering, was it cold? <laughs> you know what? You know what? That's so funny about that is I've done I've done numerous outdoor games. Like I did the Winter Classic um, at City Field in New York, and they had record breaking cold temperatures that day. So like nothing is colder than that. And when I got to Edmonton during the day, you know, we were at the venue all day. And so during the day, the sun was out and I'm out there. I've got my coat unzipped and I'm like, oh, my! everyone says Edmonton's so cold. This isn't that bad. It's fine. Fast forward to like <laughs> six hours later. And I'm like, can I go inside to get a coffee just just to hold on to out here? So, uh, yeah, it didn't start out cold, but it got very cold by the time the game uh-huh. actually started and the sun went down and uh, I didn't have those rain. Yeah. is hitting me anymore but yeah it was it was cold <laughs> how many of uh, those outdoor games have you done so far oh gosh um i have done every winter classic since 2017 so that's six winter classics and then i've done a couple of outdoor games at least i did the nashville game i did obviously the heritage classic that i just did i'm gonna ballpark it around maybe nine nine or 10 outdoor games. I'm going to be in Seattle for the winter classic this year. So I'm excited about that. That's Um, cool. I I guess I've, I've got some experience in the outdoor, outdoor venue (laughs) space. That's for sure. And you know what? You don't ever get used to cold. 
Like people yeah, no, see no. me all the time. I'll be like, I'm so cold. And because I work with a lot of Americans being based in the US. Mm-hmm. Like, aren't you Canadian? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but like cold is cold. Like you don't just get immune <laughs> to cold. Yeah. Were yeah. you, did you do the, the Ann Arbor one, like with the leaves? No, I missed that one. I okay, wish yeah. I did that one. That was right now, before was I came. Yes, I heard. I yeah. knew people that went to that game, but I, I yeah. sadly watched that one on TV. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the Leafs now then. Um, so we are 15 games into the Leafs season. The record is uh, eight, five and two uh, heading over to Sweden, obviously for the NHL global series. So they got a couple of wins recently versus the Flames and the Canucks, but it hasn't been the greatest start to the season. So how are you feeling about the Leafs after 15 games? Are you feeling a little better about them now or are you uh, worried? <laughs> I don't know how to feel is the best Mm. way that I can answer that question. I feel like it's been peaks and valleys and a bit of a roller coaster uh, of a start to the season. I mean, I'm going to show my bias fully here because this is a Leafs podcast. So I feel like I'm allowed. Uh, Like, thank goodness the Edmonton Oilers are having so many problems because I feel like if that, if not for the Oilers and what's going on in Edmonton, although they did get a win yesterday, um, I feel like the heat in Toronto would be, it would be scorching hot uh, in TO, even with the last couple of games and the wins that they've managed to get. But to answer your question, I think I just feel differently every game. I don't think we've seen a stretch of consistent hockey yet. And so like Sheldon Keefe and I think the rest of the Leafs, we're still trying to figure out what exactly Toronto is. Who are the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2023? Obviously the, the roster has changed and I think we're seeing the growing pains of the coaching staff trying to figure out exactly where everybody fits. And, you know, watching the last game, I know, you know, so people listening to this podcast, I mean, the last game that, that we've seen is the Leafs play the Vancouver Canucks. And all I could think about after that game and, and today is Nick Robertson and Mm -hmm. how much that has like is it's how weird and how amazing for him if it turns out that he kind of ends up being the piece of the puzzle that kind of makes it all work because I feel like that's the best the third line has looked um, since they brought him up and he started playing and they put them together. So I'm starting to feel a little bit better, but I, you know, tried and truly fan. I'm always going to be worried. Even when things are good, I'm worried. So um, I'm starting to yeah. feel a little bit better, at least about the forward groups and what that could and might look like moving forward. Um, but I'm still, I'm still concerned about the back end. I'm still concerned about the goaltending. And I think more than anything for me, you know, I said this the other day, you know, Austin Matthews could put up 70 goals this year. That would be awesome to watch. William Nylander could have a career year and earn all of the money. Um, and I just don't know that it will matter. I think it's going to come down to a lot of other things. And so that's what scares me is that the Leafs core four or core three, however you might look at it, um, they could do their thing and it still might not be enough. So we'll see. Yeah, because the team is so, I was mentioning to sell this last show that it's so much you can really see the top heaviness in the lineup, right? Like if until the last couple of games, it looks like Sheldon Keefe has got a, um, I guess, somewhat of a third line now. And yeah. and then I guess there wasn't much of the bottom six contributing to the to the to the games prior to the, I guess, last night, basically, versus yeah. the Canucks. Right. So that. um yeah, and are can you a they fan? do it for a whole year, right? Like, that's the thing. Right. It's like, we could have a week of the third line contributing, and that'll be great. Right. But can they do it for a whole season? And most importantly, can they do it in the postseason when life gets a lot harder for the top six? Yeah. And are you a fan of Sheldon Keefe? Just... Uh... <laughs> Uh, much like the answer to my last question, I feel like there's ebbs and flows, you know, there's been times where I'm like, this isn't the right coach for this team. Um, and then there's times, you know, and I've said this a lot this season in particular, because, you know, goalies and coaches take the brunt of the heat when things are going wrong. That's just naturally what we do as sports fans. Um, and so he has been taking heat and I know PK Subban came out last week and was really calling for, for Sheldon Keefe's head. But I, I really, you know, as someone, I would say I've been pretty hard and critical of Sheldon Keefe over the last handful of years. Um, But I think this season he is 
far from the top of the list of their problems for me. I don't think he's right. the reason that it's been a tough or slow or ha- whatever word you want to use to describe the start of the season. I, I don't think I'd even put Sheldon Keith in the top three of the issues for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. So, um, you know, most of my friends and family would be like, oh, Jackie's always all over Keith. But in this, in this instance, in the short term of just the window or I guess the viewpoint of just this season, I, I actually don't think Sheldon Keefe's been the biggest problem. I think there's some things he could have done differently or better uh, mm-hmm. in terms of it, the, you know, my thing with Keefe and, and I'll get your guys' opinion on this. You know, I find it interesting the way that he decides to, you know, dole out uh, punishment, for lack of a better word, where he chooses to demote people, promote people. Sometimes his choices um, in commentary after the games, I find interesting. You know, the, the, Two biggest examples I can think of this season um, was to take John Klingberg. This was a few games ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously Klingberg, you know, hasn't had an amazing season. But to take him off PP1, it's like that's the one thing he had. It was like the one thing that Klingberg could take confidence from. And there was a game a few games ago where he demoted him and took him off PP1. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting tactic. Obviously, we've seen Klingberg back up there um, since then. And then the other one is... I think it was, I don't remember which game it was. I think it was against Tampa where they went down 4-1 and he pulled Samson off because Samson off had allowed three goals on four shots or whatever, whatever it was. Um, and I understand the pull, but the Leafs rallied back to win that game. And after the game, they asked Sheldon Keith about Samson off. And instead of just saying, you know what, it wasn't his night, he'll bounce back and, and moving on. Keith said, well, you can't let in three goals on four shots. Like he has to be better. It's like, bro, they came back, they won the game. Like, I'm sure Samsonov feels bad enough. He understands why he was pulled. I just didn't understand the doubling down there. And I think with a goalie like Samsonov, it's very clear to me that he rides the waves of how he's performing. If he doesn't have a good game, he feels it, he wears it, he has a good game. He, he gains a lot of conf- confidence from it. So it's like little things like that um, where I get a yeah. little bit like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> But I don't think she'll, yeah, yeah. That's just my thoughts. What do you guys think? Well, I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. Like even, you know, what he did with Bertuzzi, you know, last week, you know, like, you know, basically benching him for like full parts of the game, moving him down the lineup, down the lineup. Like I, I was speaking with Chris about this earlier. Like I, I feel like sometimes he's, he's not doing enough to put his players, especially the new guys in a position to succeed. Like you, it's not just the, the new, new players responsibility to fit in. There mm-hmm. has to be some role on the players that are already existing to help them integrate, you know, to, to feed them a little bit. And also, you know, like it, he's already feeling bad enough, probably like, you know, really you know, taking away his ice time so early on in in such a strong way, like it was so noticeable. Um, yeah, I don't, I find sometimes he doesn't always seem to put the players in a position to succeed. And he's not always, except for Nylander, in, critical enough of some of his star players, you know, in times where really they should be called out and benched. Like, you know, um, John Cooper did that last last year, you know, yeah. very obviously with Stamkos and Kucherov, I, you know, I, it's like the last year, there's a whole thing about how he walked back all of the stuff, you know, the criticism that he put out there. And there was a question as to whether that was, you know, Dubas telling him to do that or not. But yeah, I find like sometimes those guys are a little bit too protected and he picks his his certain people to kind of take it out on. But then that causes a bit of a rift too in the in the locker room potentially, you know, like when you know, actually, for sure. I think it's one of these situations where, you know, I, I think Sheldon Keefe is a very uh, emotional guy. I think he's obsessed mm. with winning. You know, sometimes he makes decisions in games where he's so focused on just winning that game that I think. And again, this is just my opinion, obviously. I think he loses sight of the bigger picture of like, OK, what is important in the long run as opposed to just winning this game? And, um, you know, for me to to kind of echo what you're saying is. It's like he he has no patience with his depth players and all the patience in the world for his core guys. And I don't know that that is 
necessarily the way to go if you want the entire team to buy in and you want, like, because you're going to need, like, Sheldon, whether or not you constructed this roster or had any input whatsoever doesn't matter. This is the roster that you need to make work. And so you're going to need Bertuzzi to buy in for you, to fight when the going gets tough, to be the guy when your your big guns don't have the answer to step up and, and do it for you and to fight for you. And so, you know, those relationships are really important. And um, all of those little things over the course of a season, I think, can break you or make you. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we're only, whatever you said, 15 games into the season we're starting to see this team come together and those pieces start to fit. Um, but I, I think it's, it's, it's criticism. I think that at this point in Keith's career is warranted because we've seen it over and over and over. Right. Like even, I mean, I find it laughable that last year we even said Sheldon Keith benched Marner. It was like one shift. Like <laughs> I, I don't even count it. You know what I mean? Like you <laughs> reference Cooper benching a couple of his star players, he benched them for a whole period, the entire mm. third period of that game. That's a benching. You sit for one shift. It's like, that doesn't count. That's not getting benched. <laughs> That's catching your yeah. breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, the thing with me and Sheldon Keefe, I don't like the fact that he's, he's con- like, there's no consistency in the lineup with the forwards. Like the, he's always tinkering all the time. Yeah. I would just like to see. And I think from the player standpoint too, they like to s- kind of like be given more than a few games to, to get that chemistry going. So that's my thing with him. He always, he sticks to his pairings. Like he has Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, Marner. Yeah, his twos. Yeah, sort of thing, right? But then he's always, it's always like, okay, who's playing the other side now, sort of thing, right? Like with, with those, with those pairings. And then on the third line, like finally, he's finally seems to have found something with putting Domi at center and, uh, and then, um, Yarn Croak on the, on the one side and, and Robertson basically. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But going back to the new players, uh, we just want to ask you, um, I guess the new players that Brad Trevelyan, traveling brought in um, like they've had a tough time fitting into the lineup like we were talking about and a lot of people say it's probably like about the pressures of playing in Toronto what do you think about like why Bertuzzi and Domi too until the last couple of games like in particular they've they've is it just that they need time to adjust do you think or do you or is it about Keith how he deployed them in the lineup or is it the or do you think it is this whole thing about Toronto being the center of the hockey universe and they can't handle it <laughs> Um you know I think it's interesting cuz I think you know every player is different I know Domi that's kind of been a, a push narrative for him because of who his dad is and sort of the mm-hmm. pressure that comes with that I don't know that the pressure would be like the number one reason that they're either of those guys is is not fitting in you know I've interviewed Domi before I've had the chance to get to know him a little bit over the years he's played for a lot of American teams um so we've crossed paths quite a bit and he just doesn't strike me as the type of person that's really intimidated by the stage I think he wants it to be honest with you I think he's one of those guys that um kind of thrives when given the opportunity and 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 likes that sort of thing so I don't know that that's it um I would lean more to the to the opinion that you know there's it's there hasn't been a lot of consistency and there's been you know a lot expected of players early and I and from the coach and the coaching staff and I think it's hard to really you know, get your feet under you when things are constantly changing. There's changing and changing and changing. You know, I can only, you know, draw from my own experience as a human being um, and starting a couple of new jobs in, in the last two years and moving and dealing with all of those different things. And I think most people would tell you that like you need that few weeks before you really feel comfortable at a new job with your new coworkers. Now, in this case, these guys spend all day, every day together, spend a lot more time together than, than your average, you know, couple of employees, especially with the travel. But I do think that it's important for guys to get comfortable with each other before they start feeling not the pressure from the fans, but the fresh, the pressure from their own coach to make it work, to make something happen when it's like, bro, I've been here for like four games and I'm already like, you're taking away ice time and you're doing this and you're doing that. And it's like, you know, you're trying to get your bearing straight and trying to make it work with certain players. Like 
they got to get to know each other too. And they have to get to know each other within a specific system that their coaches want them to play. So um, I, I think it's probably more to do with that. Um, I also think in Domi's case in particular, um, you know, when they acquired him and, and Toronto media, you know, myself, I'll include myself in it. Um, you know, we have a, a tendency to make players that go to Toronto more than what they are. And then the fans expect them to be something that maybe they're not. Like a lot of the commentary around Domi coming to the Leafs. Now, I'm taking the whole tie relationship out of this. Like, obviously, we're going to talk about that and it's going to be a big story. But I felt like he was made out to be something that he's just not. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, he has played for whatever it is, like six different teams since Montreal or, or whatever it is. It's a handful of teams. There's a reason for that. And, you know, it's because he is not a top six guy. He is a bottom six guy. And I think he needs to be in the right scenario to be an effective player. Um, so I think that's kind of, I think Domi suffered from that a little bit too. Just kind of, I don't know, you know, maybe Bertuzzi as well. Just the narratives behind those players before they had ever even touched the ice with Toronto. I think we were expecting maybe a little more than what they, what they are. I mean, same with Ryan Reeves. I mean, Ryan Reeves is like, you know, he's on the tail end of his career. He's a guy that's bounced around. And you look at his ice time in in other markets in the last couple of years. And that should tell you enough about Ryan Reeves to know kind of where he's at and what he can do for a team. And, you know, I I I actually feel really bad for Ryan uh, right now because I I know he cares. Um, So that's going to be interesting to see how that all that all plays out. But. Hopefully they're all going to figure it out. (laughs) I was just going to say that exact same thing that like, you can see the frustration that, that they have. And and maybe that's what it is, is that they, they hear what's being said about them, I'm sure. And so they want to perform up to that level. And if it's not going for them, like you can just see it like the, I like Ryan Reeves, a hundred percent. I was thinking, I feel sorry for the guy too, because you can see how badly he wants to contribute. Yeah. You know, in the way that everybody wants him to, right? So uh yeah, it's, yeah it's, you can that's really, unfortunate. You can really, hopefully they they can, will be able to yeah. basically be able to utilize him the way he's meant to be utilized. And they're probably gonna have to pick their spots and it'll have to come up to with matchups or whatever like that, you know, like certain certain um teams that it's he's it's a better fit for yeah. him to play. But you could see like with the fourth line with him not there, like you know, Gregor <laughs> could f- fully realize his speed. Yeah, touch, oh yeah. You know, without him being there, right? Slowing them down. So that's sort of I felt we felt bad for for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Good, I, good for the outcome, but yeah. I think I think a lot of people felt bad bad for Ryan Reeves. And you know, Ryan Reeves mm-hmm. has been an impactful player uh at certain times and in, in his career. But like, you know, this, you know, Time catches up to you quick in this league. And, you know, you see it happen all over the league as especially for a player like Ryan, whose impact is a lot different. Um, you know, the game catches up to you. And I just don't know that, that he can keep up anymore. And that's sad. That that makes me Mm -hmm. sad for him. So, but they might, the Mm -hmm. Leafs are going to need him. Like injuries are inevitable. Things are going to happen. So, you know, yeah. (laughs) We haven't seen the last of Ryan Reeves just yet. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. It was funny last night, though, too, how they with versus the Canucks, where there was the it seemed like they wanted to drop the gloves. Uh, yeah. The Canucks were like, as soon like Ryan Neary's isn't in the lineup, and now's the time to now drop everyone the gloves, wants to fight. Right? Like, it's just <laughs> like, I love Gio, but like, bro, we need you. Like, I can't, uh-huh. I can't be having you like yeah. hurt yourself in a fight. <laughs> All right, so let's look a little bit at the rest of the NHL now and, you know, with the start to the season, um who what teams are surprising you the most, like either good or bad? Well, I mean, we've been talking about the Boston Bruins taking a step back for like 3 mm. years and it just won't happen. Like it's outrageous to me and that's like the Leaf fan in me just being like I thought Boston was supposed to regress. I thought like they just mm-hmm. lost. I mean, they lost Patrice Bergeron, like the heart and soul of their team and a very important player in terms of where he plays in the lineup. Um, and yet here they are just chugging along. And so you have to give credit to Boston. They've really built a winning culture there. It goes to show what good goaltending gets you in the NHL as well. I think the Vancouver Canucks last night you know, watching them and they've obviously had such a great start. It's like, yeah, well, when Thatcher Demko is healthy and you get 
a goalie that can give you a chance every night, you're going to win some hockey games, even if maybe you don't deserve to. So um, to go back to your question, though, I think Boston is a surprise for me. Um, I can think the Florida Panthers. Um, we'll see what happens over the course of 82 games. But, you know, I really expected them to not be good at all. Um, and I'm not they're not lighting it up, but they're doing better than I anticipated um, that they would. And then Edmonton is a shock. Like, that's just it is what it is. I mean, I wasn't predicting them to win a Stanley Cup like a lot of people uh, in Canada were, but I certainly did not have them at the bottom of the league outside of San Jose uh, 15 games into the season. Like, I, I am shocked that they have had such a poor start. Um, and now, you know, they've, they've made their coaching change and we'll, we'll see if that'll be enough. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's what's, what's the crazy. percent do you think that they can uh, crawl their way back into a playoff spot? Oh man. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put it over 50% only because they have two of the best players in the world in McDavid mm. and Dreisaitl. If there's, you know, if there's two players that can put a team on their back and, pull off some crazy 10, 11, 12 game winning streak. Like it's, I'm going to put my money on those two. They just need to get some saves. Like they need to get some goals. Like, like, I don't know, like if Skinner can carry that, that load, but I guess we'll see if they make some kind of move there. Yeah. I mean, things are going to have to happen, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. They've, they've started with the coach. We'll see. I mean, I know that there's been some games where, They've had a ton of chances and they, they just haven't been able to score, which is a crazy thing. That in and of itself is something I didn't think I'd be saying about the Oilers in any respect mm-hmm. uh, to start the season. But um, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. I mean, Arizona is another surprise, too. I didn't think that they were going to be um, relevant. <laughs> they are. So. Is, is, is Alex Kerfoot lighting it up down there? <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, this is what I love about hockey. Like, Every single year, you just throw out the majority of the preseason predictions because there's always teams that we expect to do really well that seemingly maybe fall off a cliff or just don't have it or deal with key injuries and and suffer as a result. And there's always teams that we expect not to do anything that then, you know, go on a crazy run. So you just never know in this league. That's what I love about it. It's one of the things I love about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, we'll see how it all hands out in the end. Uh, but now we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to do a little Q&A with you. We have a special segment that we like to call For the Fans, just so we can get to know sure. Jackie as a person and a fan. So if you're game for that, we'll we'll do that. Of course, let's do it. So Chris. All right. So to start us off, we we know you're a Leaf fan, obviously yeah. <laughs> a huge Leaf fan through and through. And who is your favorite? who is your favorite player growing up and who do you like to watch now? Okay, so growing up, I there's two. Uh, number one, Darcy Tucker was always my favorite. I just, I mean, he was a lot of people's favorite for my generation. He was so passionate. He was a bit of a crazy man, but he also was a pretty good player as well. I mean, he got to play with with Sundin at one point um, near the tail end. But I, I just loved that he he was passion personified. Him and Shane Corson together as the crazy duo that they were in terms of teammates um so i always loved darcy tucker my family we had a family dog that's name was tucker rest in peace uh to tucker um so he was he was definitely my number one in terms of just like absolute favorite and then i also i love matt sundin Uh, i just grew up where he was our best player and you know he was the guy doing it for us every single season, him and Cujo. So um, those would be my my two picks for when I was growing up. And then now you mean my favorite player to watch in terms of the Leafs? Oh, it's, yeah. I, I swear this isn't recency bias. It's Nylander. <laughs> I just love his swagger. I love his personality. I love that when he, you know, as, as Austin Matthews famously said, you know, when he's going, he's going uh, or whatever that quote was. Um, I just think everything about him for me makes him sort of this player that you can't take your eyes off even when he's like dogging it or not playing well or not back checking (laughs) i just i find him so much fun to watch regardless of how well he's playing and right now he happens to be playing amazing so uh i love it 
Have you had a chance to interview him ever? No, I haven't. Um, I have never oh, interviewed no. William Nylander. I would love to. Uh, maybe this year will be the year. Uh, I go to All-Star Weekend every year. Uh, right now, he's looking like an all-star. So um, mm-hmm. we will see. But yeah, I've interviewed uh, quite a few of the current Leafs, but not not Nylander. Okay, so uh, we've read that you played a lot of sports growing mm. up, and hockey, of course, was one of them. Uh, so what position did you play when you were playing hockey? And and did you have a certain number that you liked to wear? And, and, and if so, did it have any kind of meaning behind it? Uh, so I was a left winger and a center, depending uh, mm-hmm. how old I was and which team uh, I was talking about, uh, whether it was my competitive team or my high school team. Um, so I was both of those positions. I think I liked playing the wing better. I mean, I was a really, my strongest skill as a hockey player was my skating. I was a really good skater. Um, which is why I should probably enjoy center better, but center's a lot of work. Like I just like <laughs> center's so much work. Winger, it's uh it's it's a lot of work, but it's different. Um, so I enjoyed playing the wing better. And then uh my number, I was number twenty-two, I was also number ninety-three um at one point. Um, uh, but for some reason, I don't even really have a reason. I just liked the number twenty-two. It's still in my email account, uh, my personal one. Well, I don't know if I just say that, but whatever. Um, it is, uh, my personal email. Um, so I, but there's not really a reason why I just kind of picked okay. it. I was just a kid yeah, and I just picked a number. Two great numbers. Number 22, Rick Vive, who was yeah, the first I, leaf to score the 50 goals. And number 93, of course, is Doug Gilmore. Yeah, right, I wore so. 93 in high school and people made fun of me. And I was like, how are you going to make fun of me for wearing Gilmore's number? It's Doug Gilmore. Anyways. Totally. <laughs> I did. I made fun of a lot for that for some reason. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So going on to the next question, we wanted, we relate very much to your personal story, sharing your love of hockey with your dad and, and listening to Colin shows together. Yeah. Um, was, was there a moment uh, that you can point out to where you realize that a career in sports media was not only a viable option, but that you could turn your passion into such a success that you are? Um, I think it first was on my radar um, when I got to high school. Um, I went to grade school and then like went went to a high school where like all these different schools sort of came together. It was very like I went to a small grade school and then a really big high school, um, which was quite an eye opener for me as a kid. Um, And I think when I got there, you know, I, I was meeting new people and had a lot of different classmates from all over the city. And um I kept getting this very similar reaction from a lot of my um, male classmates. You know, the Leafs would come up or any any team would come up, the Red Rings, Leafs, whatever, but predominantly the Leafs. And I would, you know, insert myself in said conversation and, and talk about the game the night before. And, you know, on numerous occasions that first year of the ninth grade, I had, you know, male classmates just be like, how do you know so much about the Leafs? How do you know about hockey? Da, 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 da. And like, hopefully that doesn't happen as much today, but, um, you know, it was very common for me and I hadn't really experienced that before. And so for the first time I was kind of like, oh, like this is like surprising to people. Like this is something that is you maybe unique about me. And so at that time, you know, I started to think about, oh, could I work in sports? I never necessarily thought about being, you know, a hockey reporter or being on air necessarily that early. I was more just kind of, maybe I could work in sports, you know, maybe I could do marketing Mm or PR. I started like thinking about all the different things that I could do um, within the space. But as, as you know, my high school career uh, kept going and progressing, I, I started, and you know, this says a lot about high school where, you know, we're all awkward and we're growing and we're going through puberty and like all these different weird things. We're trying to decide what to do with our lives. One thing I knew was that I never felt more confident than when I was talking about hockey. And that's where I felt comfortable and I felt like myself and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like being a typical teenager, like thinking about everything that I was saying and like worried about like, you know, fitting in or whatever. I was just like saying what I felt about the team and about the sport. And so I just kind of followed that and, um, you know, it's worked out thankfully, but I think that that's really where that drive came from was just like, I feel like I kind of belong in this space and I don't feel that everywhere else. 
So I just kind of followed it. I wow. I love that actually, and yeah. and I think we relate a lot to that too, <laughs> don't we, Christine? I was gonna I was gonna say it's like it's almost exactly like similar stories for me, both me and Sil, like mm-hmm. uh, oh, I love growing that. up and and talking hockey. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So getting into the sports media a little bit more. So like in a business where, where, you know, it's encouraged for you to be a little bit more unbiased. You know, one of the things that we really love about you is that the the fan in you still comes through. So have you ever had any pressure to kind of tone that down at all? And how do you balance the fandom with the unbiased nature that is sometimes expected in this business? You know what? I got a lot more, um, I don't want to say criticism. I think that's harsh, but I I got a lot more. I had a lot of conversations with people early in my career about being a little bit too um, homerish or biased or or just letting the fact that I was a Leafs fan maybe show just a little bit too much. Um, I think that the industry itself has changed so much since I got into it. I think it's a lot more accepted now for um, sports, I'll say personalities, um, to be open about the teams that they root for and to kind of in a fun way, show their bias, but never to show their bias when it comes to, you know, factual things or news stories or, you know, the serious parts of, of the reporting game. Um, so for me, I've always just been like, listen, I am who I am. I couldn't help it if I tried. Like I tried to be a super serious broadcaster when I first started. It was bad. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> I was not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of made a decision early on that I was either going, regardless of what happened, whether I succeeded or I failed, I was going to do it just being me, whatever that meant. I just was not going to hold back who I was. And, um, you know, luckily for me, I think that, like I said, I think the industry has changed a lot and is more accepting of that from people in certain roles. Like you can't be Mm -hmm. Elliot Friedman and be out there like openly rooting, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because he is like (laughs) an insider. He is a source of information. Mm -hmm. He's, he is, you know, a very well-respected and he's earned that, um, over the course of his career. But I think for someone like me who is, you know, just trying to entertain and talk about the game and cover it um, as best as I can uh, across the league. I think that it's okay, but I'm still very mindful of it when it comes to, you know, if we're talking like for a, a, you know, hypothetical, if we're talking about a trade that involves the leaf, the Leafs, I am still going to try to be as objective um, as I possibly can. But I used to argue with one of my colleagues all the time. Cause I used to say uh, when I covered all sports, I used to do the highlight desk. And I would Mm -hmm. openly say on the desk that like, I didn't know anything about soccer. And I would just like, sometimes I would even just pass him the soccer highlight packs. And I'd be like, you do them. I don't know anything about soccer. (laughs) And he was like, don't you worry like about your credibility. And I have always maintained that like, if I'm honest with the audience, that's where I will get my credibility from is by being honest about the things I know and the things I don't know, the things I'm passionate about and the things that I'm not passionate about. So um, I've kind of lived by that rule of thumb um, pretty much the whole time. Hmm. I would say that that's definitely working for you. And I think that (laughs) authenticity is something that people crave. And I think that's, that's obviously what makes you so relatable to people. So, so definitely. And you know what? what Like, not like we need our permission, but still, I still like, I'll still sometimes get people call me a homer or whatever on Twitter. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's okay. Like then I'm not for you and that's fine. Like I, you know, some people want, you know, straight and narrow from, from sports broadcasters and some people want authenticity and fun and whatever. And, and everyone's allowed to like what they like. And, you know, I've, grown up a lot, I think in the last five years. And I'm, I'm just at a point where, you know, if whatever excites you follow that. And if it's not me, like, that's okay. That's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. So from your social media, social media bios, we understand that you love <laughs> chips, potato chips. <laughs> so what is your go-to flavor of potato chip? I, this might be the odd <laughs> question that I get asked more than anything than any other question. I swear, almost every interview I do, people ask me for my really? favorite chip. I swear. <laughs> okay. And you know, my answer is always different because it just—it's kind of like um, 
it's like music. It's like clothing for me. Like it depends what kind of a mood I'm in. The only thing I will Mm -hmm. say right now, my favorite chips are these quest protein chips, which I know people that have never had them are going to be like, ew, healthy protein chips. Like, oh, how could those be good? I'm telling you, they are life changing. They're so good. There's protein in them, which makes me feel better about eating like five bags at a time. They only come in like, like, like Halloween size, like snack size bags. Um, and they have all these different flavors and that is like my number, my number one right now. Um, they have like a cheddar and sour cream flavor. That's my number one. Um, but my most controversial potato chip take is that like all dressed chips just aren't that good. Like they're fine, but they're overrated. And only I, Canadians I will understand all dressed. I don't think all dressed exists in America. I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. I, I mean, I like them. But it's like if there's like nothing else really there. Yeah. I don't know. My personal exactly. favorite is like my, my personal them. favorite is like sour cream and onion is ruffles, oh. I think, or mine. And and that's Amazing. a that's a danger for me because I can't not eat the whole bag. So sour anyway, cream and onion is is an yeah. all time classic. Like if we're just if we're for gonna sure. be like your classic go to's never a disappointment, ruffles, sour and cream mm-hmm. is in that list. Yes. So we're still like kind of on on this sort of, sort of same vein. Like you travel so much, right? And you live in the States now. So is there anything that you can only get in Canada that you really miss when you're when you're away? Or like when you come Ooh. home, you you basically make a beeline for that thing. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um there's a few. Um I spend my off seasons predominantly in Nova Scotia and I really like Donaires. Um, mm, so mm-hmm. a good donair in Nova Scotia, I'll, I'll get that pretty quick. Um, I love Swiss chalet, <laughs> like Swiss chalet <laughs> is so good. Uh, the fries are so good. Um, so that's one and the sauce, the Swiss, the Swiss chalet, say that 10 times fast sauce, um, is so good. I actually haven't had Swiss chalet in a minute. I need to have that. And then I will say, um, ketchup <laughs> chips which I know is very, it's so stereotypical for me to say that, but ketchup chips, but I, I like the baked ketchup chips. I think old Dutch mm-hmm. makes them. Um, I like those better than just your regular ketchup chip. So those would be my, those would be okay. my three. <laughs> I'm not with you on the ketchup chips one, but, uh, but yeah, my dad, uh, used to spend a lot of time out of the country too, um, when he was retired. And that was always his first thing when he came home, he's like, let's go to Swiss chalet. Like that was his number one thing. Yeah. That's definitely what he missed the most. All right. So last question we have for you is we heard your spot on the JD Bunkers podcast on Friday. We were listening in and, um, and we were happy to hear that you were able to have some downtime, I guess, at an amusement park on your day off. And yeah, I was personally, I was surprised that you love, apparently you love to ride roller coasters. So can you tell our listeners, is there a favorite one that you like to ride over and over again? Like when you get the chance, like, is there, or is there a favorite park that you have? Okay. So, uh, um, first I'll say it's a love hate relationship. I don't know. Like I love roller coasters, <laughs> but I also like almost every time. And my husband can attest to this. Every time I get on one, that first initial climb, I, I am just like the whole time we were there, I was there with, with Emmett, my husband. I just kept saying to him, why did I agree to this? Why did I agree to get at the very front of this roller coaster with you? Like, I don't, he's like, you're the one that wanted to do it. Like, why are you talking? Like I persuaded you, like you wanted to do this. Um, so it's a very interesting, um, relationship, me and roller coasters, but I do love them. And you know what? I hadn't been to a theme park. I don't know, maybe in like four years or more. Like I just have not been on a roller coaster in a while that I can remember anyways. Um, So that was my first time being on coasters in a while. I mean, I used to go to Canada's Wonderland a lot as a kid. I always liked the Top Gun ride there. I don't know if it's still there. Mm. Um, I always liked it's that called one. something else now. But yeah, yeah, I did like that one a lot. But the one that I just went to Bush Gardens in Florida because I'm I've decided um, just on a whim that I was going to live in Florida for part of the winter. So that's what I'm doing um, right now. But we went to Bush Gardens and there, the roller coaster, I loved it. I wanted to keep going on it. It was called an uh, the Iron 
Guazai or something. Anyways, it's <laughs> one of the tallest roller coasters in the world. And it's part, it's wood and steel. It's made out of wood and steel. And it, it's the great combination of like, it's got really high, really steep, like 90 degree drops, but it's also really fast. And so normally when that happens, like the roller coaster is really rickety and like you feel like your brain's been like tossed around. This one was like really smooth. I wrote it from the front and the back. I think I like the front better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was I, if anyone is in Florida this winter or is taking their family to Disney or whatever. And you go to Bush Gardens and you like coasters, do the iron quasi whatever it's quasi. I don't know. I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but it's good. Oh and God. second best is well, the cheetah one. You're talking about um, the Top Gun one at Canada's Wonderland. There's like a hilarious picture because JD was talking about how he's like always the one that has his eyes closed. Yes. So I could really relate to that because on that Top Gun ride, my husband and I, um, when we were first dating, we went to Canada's Wonderland together. We went on that ride and there's a picture, you know, they snap the picture. Yes. And so there's this picture of him and like, he's just like, ah, like this. And I'm like, like, like it's just the the juxtaposition of me totally terrified and him like like overjoyed is just hilarious there's like two very opposing <laughs> feelings yeah. on the coaster but totally i was, I was totally. shocked that bunkus hates coasters like that very that surprised mm -hmm. me about him yeah i was surprised by mm -hmm. that too like just listening to him for like that because you know I've been listening to you on on the good show, like even oh, with gosh, like uh, Andy Walker before that, yeah. back in the day. Sports um, So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, like I never would have. Uh, that's that, that did surprise me. And I mean, I, obviously, I don't know him as a person, but just from like you know, just seeing him as a you know the on air personality that um, he is. That is who he is. I would never <laughs> never have guessed that. He is, yeah. like, he is one of those people like he is exactly the same on and off the air and i mean that as like mm -hmm. the biggest compliment well he's he's another person that that you know walks that fine line of you know showing his fandom but still you know being you know an unbiased reporter when it when it counts like he's he's so good at that yeah. too so um anyway that's all we have for you jackie we are overjoyed that you were able to fit us into your schedule and so so grateful <laughs> yeah to thank you so much oh honestly yeah. it was absolutely my pleasure so thank you for having me on i'll come back anytime and i love that you guys are doing this um and just covering the leafs every week it's awesome or every couple weeks thank you thank you <laughs> and we much. will hold you to that so maybe closer <laughs> to playoff yeah. time would be an, another great time to to have yeah. you on so thank you again and we will talk to you again soon all right see you ladies go leash show so thanks again to jackie for joining us um yeah just her she's a leaf fan right she loves mm -hmm. the, the leafs and um and her favorite player being darcy tucker i'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that also have uh Tucker as a, as a fan, but she, it's, it was, it was great to have her on and just get her insight on the game and, um, and just her profession too, being a, uh, being a sports journalist and, um, in the States. And, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really like talking to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was really, really great. It's, it's, you can, she just exudes the passion that she has for for the for hockey in general and also for the leaves and um i just love her authenticity she's such a relatable person and uh yeah she she knows her stuff too and, so uh, you know it's yeah. it's it was great funny when uh, she was when she was telling the story about like growing up in that yeah. um and it was it was exactly like us it was mm -hmm. just like how we talk hockey with our male counterparts in my case i was trying to like draw the girls into it and and mm -hmm. and get the conversation going with the girls but um but yeah and then she managed to make a fantastic uh career really successful career out of it so that's mm -hmm. uh and, and, and we look more to come for for her obviously so yeah the future yeah. is definitely bright so the leafs are now heading off to sweden in the nhl global series uh their next game in north america will be on november 24th uh, in chicago and it's a back-to-back -back with the penguins on the saturday night november 25th so um, we'll see how that goes coming back from uh, a long trip overseas but uh, ladies talking leafs will be in stockholm reporting on the Leafs and all the NHL events. Again, don't forget to hit that uh, subscribe or follow button wherever you listen to our show. 
Apple, Spotify, and on social media, uh, YouTube, X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. Our handle is at LTL1917. And also on the Believe Network, you can you can catch our show there. Um, so and don't miss any of our road trip reports from Sweden. Also a reminder to be sure to leave a rating or review and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, it's easy on Apple or Spotify, and it's important for our show to get more exposure as a source for Leafs content. And we thank you for taking the time. And another way to help us out is by visiting our Kofi page at Kofi.com. You can follow us there. And if you choose to, you can support the show by buying us a coffee. Any donation goes towards helping us produce the show and making it even better for you. So you can find the link to our Kofi page on our show notes or in any of our social media profile pages. And we want to thank our healthcare workers and first responders for everything that they do. And we thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Ladies Talking Leafs presented by Bet Online. Until next time, go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. Day of the night.